0: Hey everyone, it's just John and Andrew here.
1: Welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, marathons and mustaches.
0: The human element.
1: And leaving our comfort zones.
0: This is Optical Course. Here we go. Well, today we really mixed it up, Andrew.
1: Yeah, maybe our most <laughs> challenging guest we've ever had. Yeah, absolutely. Me. <laughs> <laughs> Woo!
0: It may be the most challenging interview I've ever done, which was just me.
1: <laughs> yeah, so we flipped the mic around. We did, and uh, and asked me a bunch of questions, which Was I have loved? never been less comfortable <laughs> coming into an episode. But uh, that's why we do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be easy for for listeners to think, oh man, it, you know, these guys—they're seasoned vets. You know, thirty episodes in, it'll be, now it's their turn. This will be so easy, but. It turns out it's a little more challenging, um, even for me, because I, I realized quickly how, how much I rely on my incredibly smart and articulate partner over there. And when I have to own that all myself, there's a few times where I looked up and he's like, remember, I'm the guest. Today, so you got this, man. Keep going. And it was it was uncomfortable, but uh, it was well worth the journey, um, as, as you guys will learn so much about Andrew that oh, I learned so much about Andrew. I, I never... I never knew
1: yeah if you're interested if you're not interested i'll <laughs> recommend a couple of other uh, episodes yeah. have you listened to romans <laughs> <laughs>
0: just go back and listen to romans yeah no truth be told andrew does not love talking about himself and no. I, I tend to be a bit more okay with it and it's funny i would be more comfortable in andrew's seat and he would have been way more comfortable in my seat mm-hmm. and, and that just shows our different personalities
1: yeah and probably the reason that we've been avoiding this for 30 episodes <laughs> But also, we've just had an opportunity to interview all these amazing people,
0: and so your listeners are probably wondering when when it's going to be my turn. Uh,
1: I don't know. It's always your turn, John. Yeah, and that, that's the other thing I feel like I
0: tell like stories about myself almost every intro, and Andrew's probably just glad to just sit back and have the spotlight on me a little bit and just poke fun at my humorous life. Well, um, you're you're a
1: great storyteller. Yeah, and um, yeah, we we will definitely take the opportunity to shine the full spotlight on on mr john close and we'll uh we'll enjoy that when the day comes but yeah because there's there's bits and pieces you've shared but we haven't had the full experience and and i haven't really been able to dig into them as much as i'd like
0: no and actually i was just on a podcast where i did talk about myself so you you folks might remember blair i think his was episode i don't know maybe 10 or 11 somewhere around there we'll link it in the show notes um, he uh, he had me on his podcast, mm-hmm. and, and I, I did go deep. <laughs> in fact, they said, "Well, we're not we're not used to recording this long. We may have to turn it into two episodes." And I was like, "Yeah, I get that a lot." <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to come out um, probably in the next few weeks. And so, who knows? Maybe I can just avoid having to sit in the hot seat, and just we'll we'll link that one, or maybe Andrew, maybe Andrew will make me do it because we'll he see. he had to. We'll see what happens.
1: <laughs> yeah, but we talk about how. We're supposed to go into pe- places that were yeah. uncomfortable, and that's that's where we grow and we learn. and For And sure. I was definitely uncomfortable going into it today. And yeah I'm not uh, someone who's normally a highly open person, no. talking about feelings that much. No. And I I did it today, and I I I honestly did enjoy the experience. Did you as as much as it was hard at times, and yeah. I got emotional at times, yeah. and um. Yeah, there, there's things that I'm gonna walk away and think about, and uh, just continue to work on. It's such a great reminder that um, that I I need to live within my values to to be fully satisfied, and and when I stray from that, I maybe I just feel like I'm off or down. But it's just no, I'm just not living in alignment. Well,
0: and we talk so much about mindset, and and I think I think that's what you did so well in this in this episode, Andrew, is you, is you came in and just changed your mindset. Yes, of course you're nervous. Of course you're uncomfortable. Of course you don't really want to go on about yourself. Of course you think your story's not that interesting, as <laughs> as you said. I think even while recording, <laughs> a couple <of> times, <laughs> that a, a, you know makes it difficult to market your your <laughs> own episode, and you're like, no. Nah. Maybe give it a pass or listen to Romans. <laughs> Although you should listen to Romans if you haven't. Um, but but when you change your mindset and you just embraced it, which you did, uh, it resulted in, you know, a solid 90 minutes of, of gold. I mean, it's, you guys are really going to get to know so much more about Andrew and, and it's going to make make his, uh, what you do know about him that much more extraordinary.
1: Yeah, I think there there is things that can be learned from my story and definitely things that I've learned from, from rehashing it and... We, we can be in places of of comfortable yeah being comfortably miserable like that's a term that you use oh, that's
0: right you quoted me finally yeah. yes
1: and um, <laughs> or or we can be uncomfortably miserable and and right. I I might have been even there at times and and sometimes things that seem horrible are actually an opportunity for completely changing your life and, and rediscovering who you are and who you want to be.
0: Yeah. And and for those of you who remember me talking about, I'm going on this cruise. I did just get back from the cruise (laughs) and I did end up changing my mindset. You might, may have remember me saying a couple episodes ago, I always had a bit of trepidation and feeling guilty because it's not environmentally, you know, as sound as, as it could be and blah, blah, blah. Well, I decided we had saved for two years. We're taking my in-laws. There was eight of us. Um, for, For many of us, this was the trip of a lifetime and and I just said like it would be way worse for me to ruin the trip for everybody because of my own like self righteousness, so um I I did just embrace it and let me tell you, uh, you can check out the pictures on my Facebook page if you want. But Included, we
1: had an amazing time. Like you can see my sarcastic comments on you a couple do of the yeah, photos. and you
0: commented on a lot of them and, and it was it was great. But but let me tell you, both Alaska. And the cruising experience was definitely one of the top moments of our life. Alaska, if you've never been to Alaska, folks, you don't have to go on a cruise to get there, although it is quite extraordinary. But get there, it is just wild and beautiful. And I mean, seeing it, seeing an iceberg just up close is just in a glacier like something i'll never forget and i saw so many eagles i saw more eagles than i've seen in my entire life hmm. probably in one little paddle that we did down down the uh down this little river after a hike i hiked part of the chilkoot trail andrew which i know yeah. is is on your list and in fact it's a 33 mile they call it the 33 hardest miles in canada hmm. and so um maybe we could i would love to plan a bucket list trip with you yeah man do it. they say um I was talking to a guy there who says typically it takes about three nights. He says he does have a friend who ran it in nine hours. Let's not do that. No, let's not do it because there is a part where it changes from like sort of normal agony to like all of a sudden it rises like 2,000 feet in like very short time. So it's basically you're just crawling up it. Mm -hmm. And he says that part kills everybody. But uh, yeah, I mean to to go back to Alaska, I would would do it any time.
1: Well, we have a new website that was just built for us. We're going to give a quick shout out to it because uh, we have a beautiful brand new website created by our friends at Sticky Media, Mike and Jesse there. They they are doing amazing work for us right now. And so we've got the episodes are all up there. There's a little bit more about us and and our full show notes are delivered in, in fine fashion. We're actually converting our show notes into longer blog form so uh with with the links and and more resources and and then a few thoughtful observations that we have on on our episodes as well. So we're uh we're happy to to give you even more listeners. Uh and we appreciate you checking it out and and sharing it and continuing the conversation.
0: And you you know the, the reason I'm laughing is cuz the irony of what Andrew's pitch there is we've been saying for six months in every single conclusion. We've got a really fancy website, guys. ObstacleCoursePodcast.com. <laughs> and and the the truth is, no, we didn't. We we, <laughs> we never like you guys probably clicked on it and we're like, oh, it was just there's an episode here that I listened to. But we didn't have a fancy website. So we've been saying it for six months to hopefully train you to go there. <laughs> well now you really should go there because we actually do have a fancy website. We have professionals that did it. And and our goal was always not to just record stuff but engaged later and engage Mm -hmm. after that's what we really would like. We would love for you guys to message us and, and especially, you know, on the website and dialogue and, and work through some of these issues because, because every episode we there's, there's new themes and there's new learnings, there's new understandings and that's how we can all grow together. So please, please like continue the conversation is what we're saying by going to the website. And of course, following us on, on, uh, social media is, is great too.
1: We appreciate it. And, uh, Thanks for tuning in and, and hearing my story. It, it does mean a lot that, uh, that you're out there, and, and I hope it is of value.
0: It sure will be. All right, folks, enjoy. We've been promising you for a long time that Andrew and I are going to share our story at some point.
1: Yeah, for those of you who have been listening since the beginning... We're like, yeah, at, you know we're <laughs> soon we're going to talk about ourselves, and <laughs> we promise and we were saying that at like episode two, and now we're episode thirty <laughs> and uh and we haven't really done so yet we've no. We've shared tidbits yeah. at points and and John probably more than myself <laughs> because he's more prone to do doing that, yeah, but uh today things change
0: today things change um. Back from my holiday and it's Labor, after the Labor Day weekend and we kind of had an opening which isn't common for us. And so we were talking about what we should do and I said, Andrew, I think the world wants to hear your story. I was like, nah. And you're like, what should we do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if you know anything about Andrew and if you've been tuning in, you probably feel like you know us better than we know us. And uh, Andrew isn't one to run at the mouth he's not one to talk about himself he's not one to post on social media he's not one to brag he's not not one to really talk about himself if he doesn't have to
1: all of those things are true (laughs) yeah
0: and so this is a big deal for him and even though he's a professional podcaster and an amazing host and partner um he's got a few nerves this morning
1: my palms are
0: moist my palms are sweaty (laughs) (laughs) yeah and uh Truth be told, even I'm a, even I'm a little nervous because it's it, it's weird when you have to play host to a friend that you think you know fairly well, but but you also wanna you also know that a lot of people don't know his story, and so just trying to dig into that. So it should be a fun conversation. So welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks. It it's, uh, it's something I've been looking forward to for a long, long time.
0: Yes. So so yeah, I was trying to think and preparing for this. Um, what our listeners already know about you. Mm-hmm. Um, assuming they've listened to all the episodes and I would think that That's they was w- <laughs> strong assumption. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so let's, let's assume they haven't. And, and so I would say what they know about you is as a little boy, you <laughs> per, were perhaps a bit shyer than most or, or did the, did the shyness sort of really kind of go into the stratosphere after the milk incident? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And, um, For those of you who don't know what we're referring to, you got to listen to Roman's episode from, uh, I believe it's episode 28. Yeah, there was an incident in a classroom. (laughs) You should just listen to Roman's episode because it's one of the greatest you'll ever hear. Yes. And he's just such an amazing inspiration. So, and then I tell the milk story in that one. So, I would say, I mean, that duality I was mentioning where in some regards I was quite outgoing and extroverted, but I all. Also, kind of had um, had some shields up and and had some probably self confidence issues even when I was really young. And so at times I would I would be a, like a performer, like a, try to be funny, and at other times I was um, very much afraid of putting myself out there and, and being embarrassed or or um, showing my lack of confidence.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and I think that would be a description of a lot of children or totally. a, lot of, a lot of young people mm-hmm. is just trying to grow into yourself.
1: Yeah, I thought it was different. <laughs>
0: <No, laughs> I am just, just going to say that. That's the story of every human being that's ever lived. No. Um, and, and I mean, you know, you even talked on another episode about working on a cruise ship for a couple of
1: years. Oh, yeah.
0: And I mean, you were up front, you were dressing up, you were dancing. I mean, you were... I mean, this, this is not the behavior of like a really shy kind of introverted person.
1: No, but that's also, it was playing a bit of a character. Right.
0: So you can hide a bit. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's not Andrew. It's just whoever character you're, whatever character you're playing. Yeah. And I mean, you do hear about actors and performers who often are major introverts. And and often I I think that's, that's one reason why they struggle so much and even struggle with, uh, with unhealthy addictions because they're, they they have this incredible ability to like put on this character and and perform and entertain and share their art but yet deep down it's so difficult for them to do Mm -hmm. that they're having to like medicate with uh with often unhealthy things now do you do you find like those moments that that you have kind of shared yourself that it just takes a lot out of you and it's very difficult to do
1: yeah, I don't know if I've actually had that many moments like that, to be honest. And there, there have been self-medicating issues um, through my life where um, that's been kind of the numbing that, uh, that I've chosen, mm. and especially in kind of the, some of the tougher times and when faced with the, the lack of uh, self, self-worth or, or um, yeah, that negative self-talk.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and we are going to, we are going to talk about some of those key moments in your life. And, and I know you've mentioned them. Um, you've mentioned the passing of your father mm-hmm. as being one of those pivotal moments. Yeah. Um, you've mentioned the events of, of, um, of losing your job and, and beginning the the origins of twist being another crucial moment. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is there any other ones perhaps before that, that you'd like to share that you thought was, was a moment that was it an experience that you thought, okay, I gotta go in a new direction here
1: yeah I mean I'm not sure about any specific moments but I think it's like an important part of my becoming who I am now and, and in my childhood uh, I had, a, had an amazing childhood I great family lots of love um, but also a lot of conflict and there was never anything physical by any means um, but there was a lot of verbal conflict in the house and so I think I kind of adopted the role of a bit of a peacemaker. I I tried to be that a lot of the time um, between my dad and my brother and my dad and my mom. And my brother and I are actually only half brothers. We have the same mom. We had different dads. And my dad had actually had a previous son in his first marriage. And so both of my parents were married, got separated had children in both their first marriages and then got together and then I came along. So that always created some issues in the household um with my dad treating my brother differently or or that being seen as the case and yeah, feeling like I felt guilty that I if I were to be treated differently, like I was special and I didn't want to be. I wanted my brother to get treated as well as I got treated, or and vice versa. So that was definitely a, an undercurrent of youth, and has probably affected me in ways that I'm not even fully aware of, or or don't totally understand. But it was a significant factor.
0: Mm. So, what what ways would you would your father treat your brother differently?
1: Um, I think he. Like, was he harder on him? Or? I mean, my dad was, especially when we were young, pretty prone to anger and would just, yeah, would lose it on Pat. And, and myself sometimes, but I think more, um, more directed at, at Pat for things that would just be, you know, seen as being a teenager. Like when you say I,
0: lose it, are you talking about screaming? Are you talking about like throwing things? Or are you like, or just really insulting words?
1: Or... Yeah, in, yeah, demeaning behavior and, um, yeah, just un, unfair treatment for like cracking knuckles and, and, um, speaking before he'd thought about it and, and you know, stuff that was probably, um, pr- pretty hurtful to, to Pat.
0: Yeah. And, and how old were you when that was happening?
1: So I'm five years younger than Pat. So okay. when he was 13, I was eight and, okay. and I looked at, up to him like, uh, okay. an idol. Yeah. Um, and so I, it was hard for me to see that.
0: So did you feel like when this was happening, did you, what was your reaction? Did you feel bad for Pat? Did you feel angry at your dad? Did you kind of run out like hide hide from the situation or
1: i think i tried to kind of be a, a bit of a referee and and even at it, eight probably yeah oh. and and inject some levity or or humor or distraction to the hmm. situation gotcha mm-hmm.
0: yeah and then and then you said you experienced it firsthand later on as well
1: yeah um <clears throat> when pat moved out when he was I think 19 and he actually had spent a fair amount of time away um going down and living with his dad for summers down in um California Lake Tahoe Nevada um and so then I then it was the conflict between my mom and dad and then I would try to get get in between there and then I was a teenager and I was getting into trouble and uh and doing my rebellion and finding alcohol and sneaking out and getting drunk and getting caught and getting in trouble yeah um
0: did did you feel like your your home was like a safe place growing up like
1: emotionally i would say that man we're supposed to start light aren't we
0: (laughs) hey man you're you're leading me
1: (laughs) um i would say probably not really that safe of a place emotionally we we weren't a family that really talked about feelings at all my mom she was incredibly supportive and um would do absolutely anything for us and still does uh and loves nothing even remotely as much as her two boys um but we talked about a little bit when we did the um deathly matters Mm -hmm. um conference that when i was seven my grandma died and when i was five my grandpa died and my aunt died and when i was like right before i was born my uncle and his two-year-old drowned and so there was a lot of death and sadness around the family when I was a a young child and I think and it wasn't spoken about all that much it was just kind of there and looming and that never really changed about the the unspoken emotion so I think that's one of the reasons why it's still hard for me to talk about to talk openly and and be vulnerable because that was kind of just the, the mood around the house is we um we weren't fully open with one another and we didn't really talk about how we felt about one another or, uh, and especially my dad, he was like, the only things I really talked to my dad about were like sports and pretty surface kind of things. We did, we had a deep connection over spending time together playing sports or him coaching me or us watching football on Sundays. And, and that obviously is the reason why I'm such a passionate yeah. like, athlete and for um, sure. Viewer of of sports to this day,
0: so I mean, you know, at thirty four, fast forwarding a little bit, and we'll rewind a little bit, and it'll be all over the place because I'm interviewing you. <laughs> 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 it'll be different when Andrew interviews me, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but you know, you're someone who I would say is, is quite emotionally intelligent right now. So where where and when did you feel did you think you began to learn that?
1: Yeah, so I I do think that as a child. And as kind of an adolescent, I had a desire to understand people and connect with people. Human behavior was always of interest to me. That's why I, I really liked Shakespeare, because I thought of all writers, he was the best to capture the nuances of human behavior yeah. and really show it in, in, in the work that he created. And so I think that emotional intelligence was was present and it has definitely come forward more in recent years when I've better been able to understand myself. And then I think you're unable to really understand how other people are until you have a good understanding of, of your own self and and your own values and issues and special characteristics.
0: So when when you had normal fears and, and perhaps negative emotions, when you're when you're growing up, who did you talk to? Pe- who did you talk to them about? Let me rephrase that.
1: <laughs> well, no, yeah, I, I'm thinking, and what, I don't, and no one comes to mind. So okay. I, I would say no one.
0: Yeah, I'm going to rephrase that. Could I butcher the question, anyways? But uh, yeah, when you had normal human, when you had normal negative emotions growing up, did you feel like there was someone in your life you could go talk to them and get advice on how to deal with them?
1: No. Okay. I would say no.
0: And so the, is is that why you felt like you started, like, it sounds like you said you started drinking at a fairly young age?
1: Yeah. Um, I, it was never like a, it was like party drinking. It, it wasn't a, like, drinking, sneaking. To in. forget or something. Yeah. No, no. I mean, maybe to, to turn off some stuff, um, turn off that negative chatter or, or you know, that that gift that alcohol gives adolescents of um, yeah. feeling like having the inadequacies melt away and and feeling like you're you can be more fun or more talkative or more outgoing, but it wasn't like a a dependence. The method I used more so than than drinking as an adolescent because it, I was part of the group of kids that would like get together and drink some beers um um, but i think the more if i was looking for a release and i wasn't able to talk about emotions i didn't really have a a person that i processed that with but i think sports were were how i got found relief from like pent-up emotions and so and running i was doing long distance running a lot even in junior high school that's when i first started doing 10ks and and had a, a teacher uh, mr foreman who really pushed me to um to run and and get out there and i actually that's the first major overnight hike i did we did the Juan de Fuca trail in grade 10 oh, with cool. mr foreman yeah and it was an incredible experience so it was five days four nights out on the Juan de Fuca trail and it was yeah had the backpacks on and everything all carrying your own stuff I burnt my tongue so badly <laughs> on like the last day. Yeah. Um, I was so hungry. It was dinnertime the last night and I'd made soup. And for whatever reason, I had just like poured the boiling water in and then immediately drank it. And just not thinking, just so exhausted and starving. And the, I've never felt my mouth, burn. it was probably like a, second degree burn in my mouth. Wow. And I couldn't see it because there was no mirrors around, but apparently like my taste buds on my tongue were like white and like swollen. Oh my gosh. It was <laughs> it was awful. But the rest of the trip was incredible and and that experience on the Fuca trail was was hugely formative and and inspired me to continue out on those backpacking trips. Um and I still do it now. Well, and you join a long
0: list of Basically, all of our guests who have shared the importance of physical activity mm-hmm. as helping them release trapped emotions. Yeah. And even just, you know, be more balanced in their thinking and, mm-hmm. and in their life. So,
1: but it, it was, I've asked the question about like, were you running away from something right. when, when talking about running and, and long distance? Yeah, you have. And, and, so you're asking yourself? Well, yeah. And I think it it does, it makes the pain go away. And it's a good distraction, but it it is not the same as like actually processing
0: because it comes with you,
1: yeah. Right, you're running
0: with it, not mm-hmm. away from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's it's a good, healthy. It's probably the healthiest way of like we talked with Wade about um, how he began to find healthy ways to repress <laughs> his negative emotions, like yeah. in, in, instead of um, you know instead of his unhealthy ways of of drinking, um, he began to you know do extreme exercise, mm-hmm. but as we discover, unless you deal with it, it yeah. just gets worse and worse and worse. And, yeah. um, so yeah, so you, you had to deal with it at some point. And so, um, along the way you, you join the, I was going to say you joined the circus, not really <laughs> kind, of, kind of a circus. Uh, you joined the cruise industry and, and lost yourself in, in that, that world for a few years, mm-hmm. which must've just been an, a, amazing it was a blast amazing party i mean it was just yeah sounds like sounds like a a great time of your life
1: yeah i'd I'd gotten away working at george pringle memorial camp when i was uh, like 14 to 17 year old in a lot of the summers spent up there and got to kind of be a a really extroverted fun version of myself and then i kind of did the same thing on the cruise ship where i got to be a character and, and got to see the world and meet amazing people and um yeah create great bonds and and entertain and came back from that and uh and then went back to university and finished up my degree and and then got into the hospitality industry and worked at uh at a big entertainment complex and was was running the show um there many nights a week until like four o'clock in the morning which was not a super healthy no (laughs) lifestyle Um, And then the nights that I wasn't working there, I would often go there and enjoy the the festivities myself. And then, uh, yeah, it just wasn't a very healthy place to be. So that's when I got, I needed a change. I I was pretty unhappy, I would say. Um, I had been uh, in a long-term relationship with a girl who also worked there. That ended and then it kind of got messy after it ended so I was like, I need to get out of here. I wanted a, a fresh start. And that's actually when I started at Brentwood Bay Resort. And that's when I became Andrew from Andy.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. So, so you had a moment where you're like, you're looking at the path you were on, looking at sort of your life choices and you're thinking, okay, I need, I need a change.
1: Yeah. So what,
0: what, was, what was so unsatisfactory about your life at that time?
1: Well, definitely the, that relationship. Um, uh, so I wanted some distance from that, and yeah, the working till four o'clock in the morning when you're running a a nightclub and pub and that's exhausting. Yeah. You can't do that for like that wears you down. And then yeah, the party lifestyle, uh, which was yeah, it wasn't fulfilling by any means. I don't even know if I would use the term burnout from that. Yeah, um, from that part of my life later on probably saw more of the burnout um
0: but your life was literally out of rhythm
1: yeah like, and i was exha- exhausted and yeah. and and unhappy and and not um definitely not living aligned with values because i didn't really have I, what i was doing at that part of my life like none of it was really making me very happy
0: well and that that's a perfect sort of lead to to where i was wanting to go next the whole idea of values i mean you speak a lot about values, mm-hmm. um, and just how how important it is that our values are connected to our purpose, and that's yeah. that's where joy comes from, in a yeah. sense, in the sense of fulfillment. So
1: I do say that, don't I? You say it a lot. <laughs> I mean, in fact,
0: you say it so well that I was able to say it well. Right there <laughs> <laughs> cause I could just hear you in my in my head. But uh, yeah, what would you say your values were at the time when you're you know working till four in the morning and did you have the values already but you weren't living according to them or were you living mm-hmm. according to values you didn't want to be
1: living Oh uh, great question um, I think connection is was then and always has been one of my strongest values um, like personal connection so there was a lot of people at that place that I'm still have good relationships with and so I had a lot of really good friends there and I but there were other connections like adventure and achievement that i wasn't really getting and i was just kind of stuck in a in a negative cycle and and not feeling healthy and um yeah and and had uh, yeah not a, a super um good understanding of of values i just paused for a minute because i was thinking about an exercise that we did we did a little bit of leadership training when i was there and i wrote about kind of what my understanding of leadership at that time which i haven't read for years but i i know it was um it was one point of reflection that actually um had some significance and just the relationship with stress and um kind of what what i wanted to be doing with my life and and that was i think part of the drive to get out of there and and start something that was yeah, more, more aligned.
0: Yeah. Cause, cause right now you're known as somebody who, who actively makes a positive difference in other people's lives. And so I'm just wondering if that value was present at that time, if you were thinking about how you could make other people's lives better or the world, a better place, or if it wasn't there
1: yet. Yeah. I don't think making the world a better place was, was, uh, very relevant for me at that point. Um, I think trying to make a positive impact in some way was but if even if it was just giving people a good experience or helping the staff feel like they were um they were liked and they were valued i think that was the best i could do with that and then yeah was able to get a position that i was really excited about and how old
0: were you when you got that job
1: i got the i was food and beverage manager at uh 27 or 28 have a five-star resort and I had I'd not written a cover letter I'd written like a cover thesis <laughs> like a three-page cover letter wow like written from scratch I went and hand delivered it to the person who was doing the hiring uh, I completely opened myself to up to it said how much I would love to be in this role and and kind of went all in for it and it made an impact because I didn't have as much experience as, as they were probably looking for. Didn't have the wine knowledge that they were looking for. Um, but I, uh, I showed that I was dedicated and, and it really meant a lot to me and got the job. And that was the kind of fresh start I needed. And it, it became a really important part of, uh, of where I am now.
0: Yeah, I, just just listening to that, it, it made me think that you must have had quite a bit of confidence at that age to not only apply for a position like that, but to do the three-page thesis and and kind of come in like I I think I deserve this where do you think that confidence came from at that age because because 27 is is pretty young for that position Mm -hmm.
1: yeah I don't know if it was confidence or just drive like I really wanted it and because I went into it not feeling like I was ready for it like I went into it being like I'm in over my head but I will work my way through this and I will just push. I will keep pushing and until I finally feel like I, I've earned it. and, and Why I did you want it to so there.
0: bad? What did you feel like that position would give you?
1: Um, well, I mentioned achievement earlier and, and just like feeling good about who I was. Um, and definitely in that part of my life, I was like, if I have this job, then I will be seen as this way by others. And then I will then feel better about myself. So looking for that in- extrinsic motivation which i didn't have a lot of intrinsic motivation probably so i was looking for outside sources of um
0: validation yeah that that surprises me truly because like you know i've said this before i've known andrew for a year folks i mean i really don't know a lot about so i'm learning this along with you Mm -hmm. and being somebody who avoids social media like the plague i mean people who tend to be on social media really enjoy that extrinsic um you know validation yeah. um and and i'll admit i'm in that camp as well and and it's, i struggle to find the balance at many times so there's some vulnerability for you but uh <laughs> but i i didn't i didn't put you in that camp and so um
1: I, I would say that the the guy who you have met and known in the last couple of years is quite different from hmm. who I was at 27 Yeah, so and, and I'm proud of that.
0: For sure. So what, what are some of the other notable differences of the last really
1: six, seven years? Well, let's walk through the kind of,
0: yeah, we have some, we have some more ground to cover. So y-
1: yeah. And it, it, it's in those experiences that, okay. Yeah. That I think I transformed a fair amount or, or at least I hope I did. For sure. um, so you got I, the job. Yeah. So, got the job and was like had the attitude like i will work as hard as i possibly can to to get into a position where i feel like i'm i deserve the job yeah and um my direct report my my supervisor who was kind of the only one above me in the food and beverage department and and who's the director of hospitality for the entire resort um he was a guy who like would work from dawn to dusk and and then go home and do some more work probably work like 70 hours and five shifts and so that was again like i felt like i had to meet those standards and work equally hard if not harder so because he at least had the experience and knew what he was doing so i remember doing a wine tasting and now i would say my wine knowledge is pretty good um and it was the first wine tasting i had ever sat with so it was this this wine rep from a, a really high-end agency that represented a lot of really nice wines, and so you've probably never experienced one of these. But you sit down, and there's like four or five tasting glasses in front of you, and right. then he talks about the wine, and then you pour it, and then what you're supposed to do is you know swirl and yeah, sniff yeah, yeah. and and then spit. Uh, and I was thinking like, oh great, I get to just like sit and drink wine. <laughs> And, and hopefully not have to say anything, because I don't really know anything about the wines that we're tasting. Um, and so I took a nice big glug on my first first attempt, and they both spat their wine out. And I was like, oops, I guess, <laughs> guess I wasn't supposed to actually drink all the wine. and But I just felt so out of my element, and, and just probably sweating buckets, and just nerves even higher than they were before starting this podcast. Um, yeah, I just just felt totally in over my head and um just work as hard as i possibly can so yeah i was working five six days a week average of like 12 hour days yeah i if i was gonna stay there i I knew i was gonna have to work yeah real hard And, and and i was hardwired to do that that's one thing work ethic in terms of like long distance running which i wasn't particularly good at but i was able to push myself hard um on the cruise ship we were working fourteen-hour days regularly without a day off for a four-month contract. I I know hard work, and I'm okay with hard work, and so I, you know it's it was it's maybe one of my best qualities. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just that ability to keep pushing. But yeah. it it obviously there's a, a downside to that, and and it's burnout. Yeah, so which
0: we've talked about. Mm-hmm,
1: yeah. So I I was getting into a place. I ended up in the hospital one time um, after. So the the supervisor who I mentioned, he completely crashed and burnt out and had to leave the resort. And it was a pretty big ordeal. There was a lot of issues going on between him and the general manager. And yeah, he was gone. And so then I was responsible for his work as well as mine. And I had only been there for maybe a year. And so I was getting pretty stressed out. And I ended up... um, like having heart palpitations and going into like heart arrhythmia and yeah that resulted in me uh one morning like basically collapsing like passing out well uh in the bathroom and woke up with my head on the side of my bathtub um and i had a glass of water in there and and smashed the glass and was like in the fetal position like yeah. with bleeding it wasn't a pretty sight no and no. and then got up and then was coming back to bed and it passed or collapsed again and then girlfriend at the time took me to the hospital and yeah my heart was out of rhythm and they were i was lying in the hospital bed and had the pads on my chest and they were about to start shocking me wow and then wow. in that moment my heart fixed itself and and got back into into the right rhythm
0: it almost sounds like a panic attack or
1: something was it
0: was it it similar it was
1: no because i i mean maybe i don't i haven't had panic attacks but i wouldn't characterize it as that because i wasn't really conscious of it like i i was just
0: your heart was actually just like just really fast it
1: it was it was an afib wow um and so it was in a in an ir- irregular heartbeat, basically. Right. So I didn't just like feel panic; I was actually my body was yeah. actually like wow in a in a dangerous place. Yeah, where, yeah. And so the doctors basically said, "You are too stressed out. You were dehydrated, high stress at work, uh, lack of sleep, just in general, basically caused this reaction." And was like, "Okay, maybe I need to yeah, something needs to change." But To be honest, it didn't really, it wasn't like the wake-up call that it should have been. I still had that job that I had to perform at, um, that I held myself to a really high standard. um, Basically responsible for breakfast service in a dining room, lunch in the pub, dinner in the pub, dinner in the dining room. um, All the room service for the resort, uh, two banquet rooms that had events all the time. And basically I felt responsible for everything that was happening from breakfast starting at 7am to the pub closing at midnight and and seven days a week um
0: yeah and that's a lot for someone in their 20s man like mm-hmm. that, that's a lot and especially with the knowledge of that 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 person you looked up to who was in that that higher position had fallen out fallen out down for the count because of it yeah and now you're in that position and you kind of fell out but yeah. then came back. Did you have? Well,
1: did, I didn't even tell anybody about the hospital really? trip. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's so you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. It is. I would have probably Facebooked that shit, man, and been like, "Here's a
0: picture of me on the floor. Look at all the blood. <laughs> I'm naked right now." But <laughs> yeah, that's what happens.
1: <laughs> just Blurred out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was. Uh, I thought I could work through it, and I I, I was um, not willing to be vulnerable. So yeah, I just kept kept pushing, and.
0: Yeah, I want to dig into that just for a second. Yeah, for sure, because that 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 is a theme that that comes up with you quite often mm-hmm. is um, not wanting to be vulnerable, as you say. Why don't you want to be vulnerable? Like, I'm, I'm talking specifically about about that sense. Like, what did you think in your mind would happen if you were vulnerable?
1: So, if I had a like specifically told people about that, um, I think I wanted people to hold me in a high regard and And that has caused people to kind of stay that that's resulted in walls, I would say, yeah, and me trying to be a certain person that was flawless or invulnerable um people saw through that, and it, it's it was bullshit, and I you know nerve perfect, and
0: <laughs> <laughs> so
1: next one <laughs> so it it seemed false, right. When you're not being open with others, they're not going to be open with you, and so that that created um, barriers that kept people, people away.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned you you know you're wanting people to hold you in high regard. Mm-hmm. at that At that time, did you hold yourself in high regard? No. Okay, and so okay. you're wanting people to hold you in high regard, yeah. but you didn't hold yourself. So yeah. would you say perhaps it starts with us learning to hold ourselves? Yeah. So with, with a good,
1: I think this is a a good time to talk about um, some of the. Leadership training and development, which was was really significant for me. Perfect and started kind of picking apart at those Issues and and breaking down that those barriers and and better understanding myself and being able to then Hold myself in in better regard. So We the leadership team did a this was maybe a year after that the collapse we did a a five-day workshop which um, there was uh, seven members of the leadership team that took part um, and it was like 7 a.m to 9 p.m every day it was we wow. were we all stayed at the resort we we basically didn't talk to anybody else for those five days it's Almost like a retreat it was like a retreat except yeah. we, we just used one of the villas right. um, as the the center of the retreat rather than actually like booking a, a separate yes residence yeah so yeah we, we did that we had a facilitator fly up from new york it's the the workshop is called the human element it's a fantastic team development workshop that also i mean it it really it starts with developing further understanding of yourself and what happened when i kind of started to take those steps and remove those layers was i didn't really like what i found Mm. and i remember one exercise that we did that basically you you kind of took these assessments and discovered how how competent you feel, how how open you are, how open you want to be and how much you like yourself and the assessment scored that i liked myself a 0 a zero? A zero, yeah. It was wow. a zero to nine scale, and I liked myself a zero. Wow. And I wanted to like myself a nine or an eight or, eight or a nine or something.
0: Did you have a sense when you are doing it that you are going to get a zero?
1: No, because it, it's a really cleverly designed yeah. exercise, wow. so you're kind of just filling out little, um, you're shading in circles, and then you kind of flip it over, and then you tallied up the different circles from where, where you scored yourself, and, and yeah, it was like a, a bucket of cold water dumped over my head. Oh, it, was, my um, it was like, Wow. Uh, That this is, there's something going on here, and and
0: that that's crazy that you didn't realize as you were doing it that oh shit I'm gonna get a zero on this because often with personality tests you can sort of cheat them and be like I know where they're going with this I don't want to seem like I'm a you know this so I'm gonna answer this way Mm -hmm. but it
1: forced you to really it's answer truthfully it's really transparent and and that must have been a big
0: moment for you like when you saw the zero like what. tell me tell me like where were you and and what was that well
1: that so we were in in one of the villas and we're we're all doing this together as a group so there's six other people doing this and there's a facilitator and then all the all your scores go up on the big board at the front so So everybody saw you have to like face this and then and try to figure out what's going on if it's something that you're not okay with yeah and and you can kind of walk yourself through like you there's no pressure to like talk about all of your scores or any of your scores really, but there's an opportunity to get into them. And like, what stands out for you about this is, is what the facilitator probably asked or, mm-hmm. or how I would present it. Um, Cause I, I later became a practitioner of this work of the human element and, okay. and got certified. Basically um, this is skipping ahead a bit, but got flown down to New York after I had um, gotten the position of general manager at the resort and got flown down and they um, like
0: we've never seen a zero before
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's not what you want to say no um yeah, yeah so it, it's also really important to talk about at this time um was when my dad had gotten diagnosis of cancer yes and so he had been diagnosed about a week within the week after my 30th birthday in july mm. um four years ago now and he had um He'd been doing fine, and then he he'd really crashed and had been in the hospital and basically went into the hospital like the day one of this five day workshop. Wow. Yeah. Um, and the one thing that I had been trying to do to show strength for him um, because I felt pretty helpless as people do when their loved ones get sick, and it was it was stage four um, colorectal cancer, so it was not there was not a lot of. Um, positive outlook but he he had been doing okay he had still been golfing every weekend he was still playing slow pitch like with all the other old guys who um had their fair share of uh health stuff going on and he was still out there and um i like maybe a week or two before he had gone into hospital i was working out on the sun deck out on that sun deck right out there with him replacing floorboards of the sun deck mm. um, and he was you know mm. being a man mm-hmm. whatever that means and right uh and and working away and then yeah so he'd kind of taken a a nosedive gotten into the hospital the expectation was you know it was gonna be a couple days and then he'd be getting out of the hospital again um and so because this was like a retreat i hadn't gone to see him in the hospital and i, I started to say a few minutes ago that the one thing I was trying to do to show strength and support was uh, train for a marathon right. and run my first marathon. And I'd run I'd run one half marathon before and and had never run any further than that. And I had only started the training in I'd say August, and so I'd been running for August and September. And then the marathon was um, Thanksgiving weekend in uh, the Sunday and in Victoria. And the leadership workshop. Was the Monday to Friday, so he this
0: week. He, what a crucial yeah, man. week, man!
1: He wow. gone into the hospital on the Monday, and I had started the workshop on the Monday. I was running the marathon on the Sunday, and so finished the workshop. Kind of came to terms with a, a lot of stuff. Uh, was still processing a lot, figuring out where that negative self uh, concept was coming from. Um, but really united and, and was more open with the le- rest of the leadership team than I'd ever been. Um, but it was a, a very challenging time. Um, but but one of a lot of personal reflection and growth, which I really needed. And I'm still thankful for, for that timing um, and for the ability to actually talk about emotions with other people, which mm-hmm. I hadn't experienced a lot of that. But that was like the safest place to share. And so right. it was um as the week went on and it seemed like he might not be getting out of the hospital um and his his condition worsened it was really nice to be around people that that had that support even though it was really challenging Mm -hmm. and and i didn't i on friday when it finished then i went and saw him in the hospital for the first time and that Mm -hmm. was uh pretty shocking to see kind of what condition he was in Mm -hmm. so the marathon was on the sunday and he had told me um, somebody's going to have to shoot him to keep him from being at the finish line. Oh. Um, but Saturday came around, and, and it there was no way that he was getting let out of the hospital, basically. Um, and that was really hard for him, I know, um, because he wanted to be there, because the, that was the purpose behind the, the event. Um, but who I did have there um, at the marathon was like, 15 family members Aww. and uh, some really close friends. And, and there was probably like 40 people in total oh, that were out wow. there, awesome. there cheering me on. Hmm. And um, yeah, people were wearing, i had grown a mustache um, <laughs> because he had a mustache for like 40 years. Right. And so i had grown one out in, um, and it looked awful. Um, but uh, like, a good portion of the people were wearing fake mustaches as well. <laughs> um, yeah, I had family members travel to be there and stuff. And wow. Yeah, it was really cool. Um,
0: Talk about the race a little bit.
1: Man, I hadn't trained that much. I, the longest training run I'd done was at two weeks prior. And I, I'd gotten to 35 I'd Basically, my training regime was like, I'll start running the distance that I, I know I can run, and then I'll try to tack on 5K, each time, and then, um, then it's basically race time. <laughs> and I, I went for like maybe one short run during the week as well. It's just not a recommended. That's not a traditional way to train <laughs> no. for a marathon. <laughs> no, usually it's like a year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I was doing it in like two months.
0: I'll just tack on five k each
1: time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I managed to get out to basically like, like, past Langford and back. I on one run and ran around Thetis Lake on that same run, and that was like thirty-five k, and it was devastating and i like i'd eaten i still think about this i'd eaten, eaten like a banana and like a bowl <laughs> of yogurt and then decided to go and run 35k right and yeah i was it was not an ideal training plan but the right. race itself i felt pretty i had a huge uh, just so much emotion behind it and and mm. like fuel from the people that were there and from my dad who i was running it for that i felt like i could go for Forever and um there's I've heard the expression about running, but like you you just find a place to put the pain Mm -hmm. and like I was not stopping because my dad was in the hospital battling terminal cancer. Mm Um I know we never really thought about it as terminal cancer, but I mean it ended up being that way. He was fighting as hard as he could in there and so you know, I was just out running a race. I was just Yeah. It was a Sunday morning run, and and there was no way I was stopping. So, for the first thirty-five k of that run, I was fine. Like, it, amazingly, with the lack of training, my split times, like my kilometers, were like within five seconds for the first like thirty kilometers. Wow, that's amazing. I was amazing. just like in a rhythm. Yeah. Um, I'd almost broken down and not started the race because of the emotion that had come up. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, seeing people at every few kilometers, my, my uncle was there and, um, he had like, he's run a couple marathons. And so he had like figured out approximately where I would be at, at what time. And so like, that's where the family groups had Uh like, had gotten to, but it turns out I was running faster than like the fastest projection that he had. So he was having to like adjust it on the fly. Um, and he, I, I, I hit 40, I hit like 38k and I, I hit a wall and I was like, it was hard. Um, but he was right there at that point And then he saw me again at 40k, like th- expecting, and he's not going to be looking very good. He's going to need as much as he can. And, and for, for whatever reason, when I hit that 40k, I was like, wow, I, I got this. Yeah. And so he said that the different in, difference in everything, in my yeah. running right. form, in my facial expression it was like it was shocking Mm. how how much um energy it looked like i had so yeah that last 2k was a breeze um and i i just yeah i got to the finish line three hours and 23 minutes was the the time i have got an amazing photo where um i've got two incredible photos that that were taken during the race by like the official race photographers and one is crossing the finish line with my arms up nice. nobody else in that shot and and the time above my head and yeah and then another shot of me just running um along dallas road actually not far from where we ended up scattering some of my dad's ashes um and again nobody else in the shot just like the ocean behind me and just like the look of determination on my face and i i love those two photos um so across the finish line and um my mom and my brother were there and i was just a mess like Mm. just emotion pouring out of me and and went and um hugged both of them and Mm -hmm. um and yeah it was very very emotional um and then went right from there uh drove to the hospital um and saw my dad and put the medal around his neck Mm. um and uh he was crying which was one of the very few times in my life i ever saw that Mm -hmm. and he was um really really appreciative um and we had a, a really good moment but um he went to hospice the next day and passed away a couple of days after that God. and um yeah i had some I had some really scary dark times in hospice there um with him uh because i wasn't ready for that um it was
0: you didn't know what to expect with his condition
1: no i mean it was three months from diagnosis to to him passing away so it was pretty fast and um
0: were you there when he passed
1: no no i had left um yeah i was i'd actually i was with friends and um at a friend's place at about two o'clock in the morning when i got the call Mm -hmm. and sarah was there as well which was um really huge that we weren't really like officially together yet at that point, but she was, um, she was around for it. And she's, I think the reason that I, I managed to get through it.
0: So, so this, this race, uh, four years ago still brings up so much emotion. Mm-hmm. W- where do you think is the, the main source of, of, of this emotion?
1: I just, um, Yeah, it's the last memory of of experiencing something with my dad for sure. And um yeah, definitely still miss him. And um but I'm also really really grateful that um that I did that and I, I took that action. Um just to kind of show how much he meant to me. And I think he really appreciated it. Mm-hmm and um and just the emotion of like having that much support and knowing that 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 was out there was um is really significant and i thought i did it to show him um what he was or that that there was this much capability because i was not in the condition to run a marathon two months before i did um and i but i kind of had a a moment of awareness when i went um about a year and a half ago to a, a workshop that it wasn't even just that that i showed him that i could do something it was that i proved to myself that i was capable of more than i mm-hmm. i thought i was and and so that was um an important piece of reflection for for me then
0: well and and in the span of a week man like oh. you experienced some profound personal growth and transformation i mean That was the same week that you had, you had surprisingly scored a zero on how you felt about yourself. Mm -hmm. And then you run this, this, um, marathon, which was not just a marathon. I mean, you're running for your father. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're running for your father who was dying. Um, and then, and then the amount of pride you must have felt in yourself for doing that. And I'm sure you saw it in your dad's eyes when you came in the hospital
1: room. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it was a really touching tribute. Um, but also it was just, I mean, there was some desperation in that. It's like, yeah, I need to do something and, and this is all that I can do. This is all that I can come up with to, to try to help.
0: So when you were in hospice with your father, you talked about some pretty traumatic times. Um, do you want to, do you want to share a little bit more about about Um, that?
1: Yeah, there was one night that I stayed with him. And Sarah was there too, actually. Um, She never met him Mm. when he was, other than those moments in hospice when he was unconscious. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, just being there and talking to him. And then um, I'd fallen asleep on the floor um, and woke up like basically in a panic, um, Mm. in fear. And Mm -hmm. I don't even really know what happened, but I was, I was freaking out in it. And then at that point, I was like, we we should go. This is this is mm-hmm. not good for anyone. Um, but your dad was still
0: conscious. No, it? no, he was. Oh, he wasn't no. at that point. Okay. Well,
1: as soon as he kind of got moved to con- uh, to hospice, he, he okay. Uh, he was no longer responsive. Um, okay. I I did notice him blinking when I was speaking to him a few mm-hmm. times, um, and that might have been a sign that he was listening. Mm-hmm. But um, he he never opened his eyes again. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, another moment I was coming back to hospice at at one point and there was somebody being wheeled out on a gurney Mm -hmm. and they were covered up and I again like in a panic asked if it was Ken Langford and um, was yeah pretty distraught Mm -hmm. and it wasn't Um, but just that moment of like is this my dad getting wheeled out in front of me it's terrifying and um, yeah I was I was not in a great place, and and the the going through the experience of the human element, and and
0: mm-hmm.
1: and working on myself at that point, it was really useful. But I still um, I wasn't prepared, or or um, yeah, I wasn't in a great place after that after that
0: loss. Do Do you wish you were there with him when he died? Or are you Are you
1: Yeah, I. I'd, I'd, I don't have any regrets about that, to be honest. Um, I I had wanted to. That's why I had spent so much time there. I, I didn't want him. Actually, what it was was I didn't want him to wake up and feel alone and yes. be alone. Right. And um. Of course. And I'm pretty, pretty certain that that was never the case. And that um, when he did go, I, I just hope that he knew how much we we cared about him.
0: Do you do you remember any last words you shared?
1: Uh, So (laughs) something does come up. Um, This is funny Um, because the connection to sports and uh, you, I'm sure, recall Marshawn Lynch. Yes. Do you remember what his nickname was?
0: Uh, Beast mode.
1: Correct. So at one point, one of the last things my dad ever said was, I'm in beast mode. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, it was... (laughs) It was a hilarious That's awesome. moment. Um, but that, yeah, that, that connection to sports that we had and, and football. Yeah. Yeah. And he was a Seahawks fan and,
0: and truth be told, Andrew is a
1: 49 old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the rival of the Seahawks, which is fine. <laughs> yeah. But we had that connection and, yeah. and that was, yeah, it was one of his last, his last yeah. phrases.
0: That's awesome. So, so once again, after this week, this really this week of your life in, in so many ways, mm-hmm. um, One might think it was almost like at a crossroads and then all this happened and then you kind of a big change happened. Did that occur or was this or or was this over time things began to.
1: Yeah, there was definitely a shift in me that took place then. And I would um, that's when I started to understand um, my need for balance. Hmm. And he died at 67. He He'd only been retired for a few years he basically worked his whole life worked really hard of course and didn't take much to himself yeah basically i reflected on that thinking i don't want to just work my whole life for this wonderful retirement that and pension and blah 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 that i'll receive at the end of it because i don't know if i'm going to live to 65 to retirement age i don't know if i'm going to live to 40 who knows like we we don't know what our future holds and i don't want to live my whole life with the expectation of sometime down the road i'm gonna get to a place where i can enjoy whatever and that was a big motivator in uh this trip to europe that i would wanted to do for 10 years i originally wanted to do this trip and i would even kind of mapped it out when i worked on the cruise ship when i was 22 i was going to do it and then I decided uh, then wasn't the right time. I was going to go back to school and go, go back to work. And then when I was um, working and had finished, had graduated from university and I was going to do it then, but then I got the opportunity to become a, a floor manager and, and work that job till four in the morning and, and work really hard. But that was a step up. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take that step up. You know, it's a great opportunity mm-hmm. to advance my career. Yeah, And so that whole ladder um lost some of its luster after my dad's death and cuz i mean you had even been able to buy a house at the time in victoria
0: yeah. which is a pretty big deal for a 20 something yeah i
1: had a condo a mortgage when i was like 23 wow uh no maybe maybe 25 wow um but still yeah still that was a yeah. that was a significant thing um and yeah i was just working my way up the ladder and that's kind of how i saw everything going and then so this trip to europe that i'd postponed 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 uh finally with sarah's encouragement and those lessons was like i'm going to prioritize balance and i i've since then kind of taken a bit of a theme for each year Mm -hmm. um, and balance was going to be that that year and basically the general manager position came available and the general manager was going to stay in uh within the resort. Uh, but she was going to move into a new role that she created for herself and was going to be a, a better situation for her and and an opportunity for the resort to move in a new direction. And, I, and then the general manager position was up and we, a couple of us, applied internally. And it was after a long process, it was decided that I was going to be moving into the general manager position, which was it was another step up in that ladder, which was still kind of. I was still working towards a, a goal. I had done this leadership development workshop training, the human element, become a practitioner in that. That was something that I wanted to incorporate into my uh into my career down the road with coaching or some sort of personal yeah. development work.
0: I want to ask you about that quickly, Andrew, Yeah. About the becoming a practitioner. Yeah. I mean it's one thing to go through a program that sort of in many ways changes your life. I mean it sounds like this is a integral part of your life. Um, but to actually become certified in it, like, did, did you feel like? Well, you tell us. Why did you become certified in it?
1: Um, I, I really believe in the in the work, and I had experienced a lot of reflection and, and a lot of growth myself. And I thought that um, if I was able to give that to other people, then that was going to be a, a huge. It would be rewarding for myself, and then I'd feel like I'm making a contribution that that I was probably longing to make and so yeah that i got to fly down to new york it was two weeks long it was much the same really busy like really full days um leading the workshops practicing it but also doing a lot of like further furthering that journey of, of self-reflection and and increasing our awareness and um yeah i, I use the the metaphor of an iceberg and like there's very little above the surface and that's what i i term as the conscious self Mm -hmm. and the unconscious is what's lurking beneath the water and Mm -hmm. and it's a little bit murky down there we don't really know what's going on but the whole um the whole purpose of doing work like that i find is to to lower that water level a bit and and help Mm. just a bit more of that unconscious move into the realm of consciousness and and we just that's how we learn about ourselves and And then we can make changes if, if we see something that we, we don't like. Mm.
0: But meanwhile, you had this, you had this opportunity.
1: Yeah. And I was going to go into the general manager position. I was going to have the opportunity to lead some of these workshops and, um, and then take the, take the next step in my career. And, and it was going to be, I was 31 years old and would be the general manager of a, a five star resort. And it was really exciting. And yeah. I was really proud of it. I was proud of the accomplishment because I I am still driven towards accomplishment. Yeah, for sure. And uh, no, it's not a bad thing. No, no, no. But it was no. okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it is that that drive oh, that, that was pushing that yeah. that has some some lesser uh, healthy effects.
0: But but you had another drive at the same time with your with um with the human element and wanting to begin to help other people. Totally. Um, you know learn about their two selves or be, achieve their two percent true potential
1: yeah so but this balance piece was i knew i needed to prioritize that more or else i was going to be just going into that same high yeah. stress um, unhealthy work self and so it was going to be a nine-week trip to europe um, with sarah and it was this route that we'd wanted to we tweaked a little bit from my initial um idea basically gone from um greece to italy was the original plan but we ended up going up through uh, montenegro and croatia wow. and into slovenia which slovenia people like that is one of the coolest places you can ever spend time it's a tiny little country it's the biggest percentage of, of parkland um, of any country in europe amazing people uh, great food go to coborid it's a it's an, like an adventure tourism mecca we, can, we did canyoning we did uh paragliding like jumped off the side of a mountain oh, and did paragliding that's awesome was, sarah was so terrified it was hilarious really um <laughs> but yeah she i was taking photos like i had my yeah. hands dangling taking photos of everything and
0: while you're paragliding <laughs> while uh, paragliding
1: and she said like the grips of her hands on the sides of the parachute like never never ceased whatsoever oh, i'm sure um just like white knuckling it the whole way yeah. and i was taking photos literally like be hanging my feet out and taking photos yeah. between my feet hanging hanging above the um the alps see that was my experience too i find
0: paragliding is relaxing actually yeah i mean yeah you have to jump off a cliff and you have to run off the
1: cliff really <laughs> i mean that's the weirdest part yeah but then
0: it feels like you're in a lazy boy in the sky yeah like it's great
1: yeah and you're watching like vultures like soar around yeah. and then and ride the thermals which is how you're able to get to exactly. higher altitude as well it's it's such a cool thing yeah um, Sarah. yeah <laughs> i'm sure she enjoyed it on she, some level she enjoyed it once she got back on the ground enjoyed the pictures later <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so um such a spectacular oh. country um yeah cuz you don't
0: that's not a country that comes up hardly ever when people are saying i went to europe it's always no. you know italy and france and england and mm-hmm. kind of all the big ones but But Slovenia. Yeah. It's like, what? Where is even that? Yeah. Yeah,
1: It's. uh, (laughs) I'm asking for our listeners. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just north of Croatia. It's basically um, you've got on the Adriatic Sea, you've got Italy on one side and Croatia on the other. And then uh, at the north end of the sea is um, Slovenia. Okay. Uh, There's a very small part of Slovenia that is actually on the Mediterranean. And then then it kind of opens up northern from there. All right. And then, yeah, the the Alps come down into the Mediterranean through Slovenia. and Yeah, it's stunning. Yeah. So, yeah, did this amazing 9-week trip, spent the last 2 weeks in Italy, uh, in Ireland. Um and Ireland is some of the nicest people I've mm. ever met. Yeah. The Irish hospitality is unlike any other place in the world and and beautiful beautiful terrain, did the Aran Islands, some of like the most remote, weather-beaten places in Europe just people lived hard lives there. Yeah, great great people, the Irish. And really fun little pubs with like live, like right. traditional Irish music and we just played a lot of crib yeah. sitting in pubs and um enjoying wow. the ambiance. Sounds was, amazing. It was really nice. Returned home expecting to move into that general manager position, um, right around the beginning of July in twenty seventeen and came home and got a phone call from a friend on Canada Day and uh and he told me that there, he'd heard a rumor that things were not as they seemed and that they were, they'd were they made a decision that I was no longer going to be moving into that general manager position. And it rocked my world pretty good oh my to, gosh. to the point where I actually ended up in the hospital for a bit of a... Um, this was maybe the closest thing I've had to a panic attack, to be totally honest. Um, I developed a bit of a, um, a stomach... Uh, Infection when I was in in Europe. Oh, okay. um, Which I didn't really understand. I just had like some pains and some discomfort. But basically I had gastritis is what it ended up being, which was like an inflammation of the stomach lining. And so I felt like I was swollen and and then I was getting some weird pains. And anyways, I got that news um, when I was at home on Canada Day. And then that caused the stress hormones to spike and felt like the my stomach was basically going to explode i didn't know what was going on and i had to get it checked out because i hadn't gotten it checked out in europe because we were like Mm -hmm. moving from country to country every few days and i just didn't want to go to a hospital and you know avoid (laughs) typical man strategy avoid going to a doctor it'll resolve itself yeah pick some tums (laughs) yeah exactly um so yeah ended up in the hospital got diagnosed with gastritis which was fortunate because it was something that um that I could treat, yeah, um, and it wasn't like I didn't have to go through the web web MD spiral of ne- negativity and, and <laughs> right. fear that yeah, exactly. we've all experienced. <laughs> but then had to go into a meeting um, the next day with uh, and found out that yes, in fact, there had been a change of heart when I was gone. Um, these same people that I had gone through those experiences with in the human element um, had made a decision, which felt. Very much like getting stabbed in the back by people who Absolutely. I was extremely close with, yeah, and um, and I was no longer going to basically be in the general manager role, and I'd already hired and trained a new food and beverage manager, so I basically didn't have a position at the resort anymore. They had tried to kind of offer some some like parts of different roles, but they'd also kind of given me an opportunity to um, get severance and and walk away and uh and that's what i did so
0: so man like i have heard this story before and, and and i've never understood how how this could have happened mm-hmm. like you were you were the man i mean you you had been chosen been trained you're like all right folks i'm going away on this once in a lifetime bucket list trip See you in a couple months um this is your mindset as you're traveling oh you know i don't have to worry about coming back you know finding employment i come back to this position you come back and they've taken it away. Like, was this just like politics in like infighting? Was this a, was this a conspiracy that was hatched? Um, I I mean, how how could this happen? Nothing had changed.
1: Yeah. The explanation that I was presented with didn't, didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Basically just certain members of the, the leadership team had, even though we'd gone through this process, which was months long and we were, meant to be 100% open with one another and talk about any reservations. Yeah, It had come to a final decision. This was what was happening. We'd made a big presentation in front of the entire resort and, and our annual all-resort meeting, this was the plan. This is how it was going to operate. The general manager was going to now be the director of the wellness center, which was a new creation. And, and yeah, we'd, we'd laid it all out. And um, yeah, so basically, I guess people were more willing to share new feelings or, or more honest feelings when I was in Europe. Um, and then that had kind of just resulted in, in the, I think there was fears of myself being in that role because I hadn't, because I've been working alongside with these people and, and maybe there was a couple people who I think were, less comfortable with me in the position of general manager than the person who was who had already been in that role for different leadership styles or whatever um and so and also the general manager was going to be moving into a position of less pay um opportunity for for um more like bonus structure but into a position of somewhat less security and i think that was a factor as well but I I honestly don't really know what was said when I wasn't there and the decision was made and I um I had to just figure out what I was gonna do next. So it was earth shattering. Like I yeah. I didn't my I had trust that was um evaporated. I had a, a group of people who I cared about that um had basically booted me out and I had to look myself in the mirror and figure out like what I did to contribute to that. And where where my role was and What did you see? Um I guess just that I wasn't I wasn't really ready for it or that it wasn't the best thing to, to come or the best direction for my life to go. Um Do you believe that? Yeah, now I absolutely do. Mm-hmm. Um one little funny anecdote. We were um to process it, I went out into the woods with Sarah for a, a three-day hike on the Wanda Trail. And um, at one point, it, it was such a great choice because that's where I really have the best ability to reflect and kind of remove distractions. And at one point, we were hiking down a hill, and I was near the bank on, on the left side going down, and everything fell away my feet basically the ground under my feet just evaporated and i fell probably about 12 feet down into like over the side into a a little stream below and didn't have the opportunity to say anything um i think i kind of grabbed at some bushes to try to stop myself but that was ineffective (laughs) but landed completely on my feet and basically like had some scratches on my legs and stuff but was basically uninjured and I had just been talking about the fact that uh, we don't really know where our journeys are going to take us <laughs> as that was happening. Yeah. Wow. And so the, the lesson that I learned there is that like we don't know. Um, sometimes we don't know that we're on the wrong path until we completely fall off of it. And I would have been in a job where, again, I was probably didn't feel qualified fully. Um, I'd never been in that role i was taking on things and and i would have worked myself probably into a high stress and and sure i would have been making lots of money and and feeling good about myself in terms of the where my career was at but would i have been fulfilled would i have been happy would i have been stressed like who knows um and so many opportunities came after i mean i as we know, we wouldn't have ever met and started this podcast. Um, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to start Twist, which um, we started towards the end of 2017 and and launched in October 2017, and now is just doing incredibly well and and so proud of of what's of the impact that we've made in the events community and and like in and really taken what was. A business that didn't exist in this part of bc and really created a a market and now there's other businesses that are popping up that are trying to emulate what we do which is like a new challenge but is um is such a such a nice compliment really and yeah it, it's um I have so much fun doing the work that I do now and it's hard work on event days as you know cuz you yeah, you hear sure. me talking about it and yeah. and see the effects sometimes when we do when we're doing a lot but also helping you after this little trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but and um you know I can work on, from my hammock in the mornings so, yeah, sure. and yeah. and I can I have complete control of my own schedule and I yeah. I we we make people's weddings like more joyful and people just love the service that we provide and and we get to be a part of amazing events that are that are really um really rewarding and and it's fun so you know i i'm super grateful for what for the result of of that decision that was made um i still um i still don't really want to to be a part of uh or around any of those people that made the decision yeah. um, and I'm, I'm totally okay with that uh, and yeah my life is a lot more fulfilling as a result of it I, I get to I went and became a trained Erickson coach and and have had the opportunity to do a lot of coaching work and, and team facilitation and, and individual one on one coaching which is super rewarding and um, and it's going to be a big part of my life continuing going forward. So define your Yeah. Define your And, uh,
0: what's it mean to define your leadership?
1: It's about creating your own, figuring out what impact you want to make and, and creating your own definition of, of leadership. Um, leadership can look in a lot of different ways. Uh, whether you're like the boisterous shouting at everybody, rah, rah, like leading the charge or you're in the role of supporter and and you're just nurturing and making sure everyone has the tools that they need to succeed. And it's just, yeah, finding the most authentic version and style of leadership. And, and it starts with understanding yourself and, and going through that awareness journey. And then you're then able to, um, to inspire others.
0: Well, and and one of the, one of the connections between both our stories, which I I guess I'll have to tell mine now (laughs) (laughs) is, uh, is yes, we both wanted more from what was already happening in our life. I mean we we, we both wanted to be involved in a more value centric, purposeful um, fulfilling enterprise that that made the world a better place and hence the podcast mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, of course, we get some benefit from from it too because we we enjoy talking about issues we're passionate about and we enjoy being together. but we we both wanted we we're ready for something where we could take something we believed in and help other people, um, in their, in their own journeys. Yeah. And so it, it's funny how that all kind of came to a crash or to a head at the same moment. So it, I, I often think, you know, even, even listening to your story, just seeing how the universe or whatever we want to call it was sort of at play in some of the way things came about. And, and I think us meeting in the way the podcast, it couldn't have, it couldn't have happened, you know, five years before. No, neither of us would have been ready for it, totally. you know, and, uh, it just really came at the perfect time. And I think that's why we're, why it's, why it's done so well. I mean, we're, I can't believe we're nearly 30 episodes in. I mean, yeah. it's just, I can hardly believe that. And, uh, um, it's just, your story is another reminder to me of the importance of when, when life or the universe comes calling and says, okay, you know, I'm going to give you a chance to, to make it, make a change. If we're not ready to do that, because, um, mm-hmm. cause there's, there's, I think we all have these times in our life where, um, you know, the chips are down and we realize, okay, I can either change or things are about to get worse. And some people don't change Yeah. and we see, we see it and, yeah. and their life gets a whole lot worse. But you were, you know, you were vulnerable enough. Um, cause that takes a lot of vulnerability and honesty with yourself to say where I'm headed here is not good. Mm -hmm. Um, you were, I mean, you said it, you were at a zero of how you felt about yourself. Mm -hmm. And, and instead of sort of, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm a zero, I'm, I'm worthless. Um, I'll never achieve anything and just sort of fall into yourself and fall into unhealthy habits. You exercise courage in that moment and said, okay, well,
1: I need to change that number. Yeah. (laughs) I I knew I was not okay with that.
0: No, no. Which is awesome. So, so for people listening who, who think, boy, you know, I, I don't know what that, Test was, but I'm pretty sure I'd get a zero as well. What's some advice, perhaps you could give to somebody who's maybe currently at a zero in, in how they feel about themselves and, and where their life is at?
1: Yeah, when I became aware of that, I, I knew that I was not okay with that. Um, and in order to bring change into your life, you have to change, and you have to make changes. And whether that's changing routines, whether that's spending some some time with yourself and and figuring out exactly what the issue is like you need to get to the bottom of it basically you can't just expect change to happen you can't just expect to go from unhappy to to happy just because you want it um you need to take action and 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 you don't take action just by thinking your way through you actually have to take action and and make changes.
0: Yeah, that that leads me to to a quote of I don't know if it's yours but I'm just going to credit you with it anyways. <laughs> You're smart enough. But uh, the whole idea of you can't think yourself out of um a bad mindset, mm-hmm. right? You have to act yourself out of a bad mindset. I think that's so critical because we get trapped in our heads yeah. and we feel these oppressive negative thoughts and we fall into ourselves and get trapped in ourselves. So, how how can perhaps somebody who's right now trying to think themselves out of whatever they're dealing with in their life, how can they act themselves out of it?
1: Well, we all know what methods we have that are most effective to get us in a more positive, resourceful mindset. And I think if you're, if you're just thinking and if you're just trapped in your own head, it, it doesn't really solve much. Sure, you can like plan out actions to take and, and then bring steps. And, and that's, that is action in, in my in my mind that if you're if you are planning a process of what you need to do to feel more healthy or to feel more alive that is that is starting to take action and then you have to follow through and take those steps if you're just thinking about how unhappy you are and then and you're not doing anything about it you're gonna you're gonna continue to perpetuate that cycle for for me and a lot of people that we've talked to on the podcast exercise is huge and and feeling healthy is you know that's what creates that mind-body connection of of holistic health but for other people it's it's reading something that is really motivating or writing or art in in any capacity um yeah it's it's knowing what your values are and and living aligned with those if it's if it's adventure if you're if you highly value adventure and you haven't done anything adventurous in six months you're probably not going to be truly satisfied if you're if you're, one of your values is uh, like volunteerism or service and you're not doing anything that fits that, you're not going to feel fully aligned and, and fulfilled. For sure. So it's it's really understanding what your core values are and there's, there's ways of doing that. There's coaching exercises. There's, there's all kinds of ways that you can understand what your values are. Um, and it's really important that you know them.
0: Well, and, and once again, like your story is yet another reminder of when you reach rock bottom or you, you meet with an obstacle or a challenge in your life, it can become your destiny. I mean, it can be, it can become the next best thing for your life. Mm-hmm. Cause, Cause I think about, you know, losing that job. Um, you also got a lot from that. Like I was thinking about those same people who perhaps, perhaps turned on you or perhaps went another direction and, 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 and hurt you. Um, they also helped you realize some things early on in that human element thing totally and and if you know it'd be easy to look back and be like oh i wish that experience hadn't happened it was so painful it literally made me sick but if that hadn't happened perhaps you you wouldn't have got that that knowledge that you had to now get to the point where you're at now
1: yeah it was a formative experience and and i am i have a lot of gratitude that that things went down the way they did and and part of me probably chose that uh, result and and i i definitely I, I am not blaming those people solely for taking that action and, and booting me out, which is the term I used. Yeah. But, um, I, I am part of that decision 100%. Um, and it's, it's resulted in a, a life that is a lot more fulfilled than, than it once was.
0: And it's just reminded me of, of, of... For those of you who are listening, if you're if you're going through a tough time right now or you feel like you're at a rock bottom or you've lost your job or lost a relationship or or you've, you've experienced a heartache, um, just wait mm-hmm. because this could be the beginning of something truly special well, on the horizon.
1: Like what Linda Hunter said, it's like, what's the best possible thing that can yeah, happen? Yeah, for sure. And for me, the best possible thing was I now have a thriving business yeah. that Sarah and I started. Um, I'm able to i'm a certified coach and i'm able to use a lot of those skills and and techniques that i learned in in the podcast and i'm so so thrilled with that yeah it's i couldn't have imagined um that things would have worked out this well this this yeah no i think i did say that right
0: yeah you did you said (laughs) you said it well (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: it's uh yeah for anybody who's in a in a tough spot right now um you have no idea how how good this could end up being
0: yeah absolutely man and speaking of having no idea i mean i really had no idea no idea to a uh, one year ago that there was an and andrew or slash Andy <laughs> langford out there who was thinking about some of the same th- same things i was thinking and had some desires to bring meaningful change and i never ever thought i'd be hosting a podcast on a podcast and i mean i'm so grateful for you in my life i mean mm-hmm. i've said many times, like you, you really have changed my life for the better in so many ways. And, um, hearing your full story now, I, I feel even <laughs> more, uh, more connected to you, man. I love, love you, love you that much more. And, and honestly, a full vulnerability here, this, this episode was so much harder than I thought it was going to be because, because <laughs> I, I realized by being the only host, I've realized how much I lean on Andrew in, in our interviews um, you know many people have told us we're so good together and, and I really believe that we, we each bring a, a our own unique twist and our own unique style of, of conversing with our guests and this was just all my style and Andrew's so good at those like you know perfectly timed questions perfectly worded questions and keeping the pace and and re- I had a realization about halfway through I was like this is, this is all on me, you know? And and I think you even realized that and sort of took the reins a little bit <laughs> and, and kept the conversation going, but, Maybe, but I just want to say just doing this. Um, and I know this, this episode's about you and not about me, thankfully, but, but what I learned even, even just by, by hearing your story today was just how challenging it is to, to, to coach and ask good questions and, and lead people in their stories. And, so this made me appreciate you that much more. And it made me realize I don't want to go out on my own <laughs> ever. <laughs> with this. Not that I was ever thinking about doing that. But uh, I'm just so glad that uh, this is uh, Andrew and John's thing. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it's, it's not easy to, yeah. to do. Well, so, I- so so thank you for making it easier for me <laughs> by, by doing such a good job by telling your story.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, this wouldn't exist without the two of us. And, uh-huh. and there's a reason that uh, that it works is because of the dynamics that we have together and uh yeah no i wouldn't i wouldn't be here without you and very grateful for for your idea and and for your openness and and just everything uh that you bring
0: let's and you know let's let's get a third back in this room now (laughs) (laughs) because we're both out of our comfort zone today for different reasons yeah and but but i think hopefully that will come across listeners we did it for you Uh, we think it's important to share ourselves with you and we've been warning you or not warning you but but promising you for a long time and Mm -hmm. and so I hope you I hope this helps you get a better idea of who Andrew is and what got him here and help hopefully it'll help you appreciate uh, what he's doing with the podcast knowing what's come before
1: yeah well as with every episode if it if it can create just a one degree shift in in one person then uh, then I'm happy and I definitely felt uncomfortable (laughs) I uh, I felt like my story lacked a lot of the usefulness and energy of a lot of our, our other amazing guests. But um, yeah, I, I, hope, uh, I hope it's of use for, for one person out there. And um, if nothing else, we got to have a good conversation. And you know maybe even a little bit more than you did.
0: I know a whole lot more, man. That, that, was, that was so good. And, and I want to end with, with one more question, as, as we like to do. Mm-hmm. so if you were if you were doing that uh questionnaire again mm-hmm. um what do you think you'd score
1: i think right now in this moment and and they are just a snapshot in time i think i would um i'd probably be like a solid seven to eight
0: out of nine
1: out of nine wow
0: well that's great i yeah. mean yeah it's, that's a huge improvement totally so, so that's great
1: i think there's always something there's always progress that can be made and i i don't like to be in a position where it it's never good enough and some days i have felt like a nine but um yeah i think there's there's definitely still stuff that i'm working on and and um trying to be better at and and that's how i want to live my life is i i want to be um still striving forward but also reflecting on that balance and and um and knowing what i'm working for and and why
0: Hmm. well said well thank you mr andrew langford (laughs) For this amazing episode. And uh, hopefully you um, have much more respect for, even more respect now, for the 28 people who came before you and sat in that same chair and and attempted to articulate some of the deepest, most troublesome parts of their life.
1: Yeah. No, it it is. That's the hard, hard part. Um, And luckily I can now go back and edit all that out
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah wait a second yeah that's not fair see i really do need to learn to edit because you um you might edit out all the good stuff so we'll need to make an agreement beforehand
1: (laughs) okay we'll see thanks
0: thanks for listening everyone
1: well that's the episode thanks so much for tuning in everyone we appreciate your time and attention if we can make one request please subscribe how do you do that, John? They push subscribe. That's all you got to do.
0: We also got social media, guys. We got Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Please like us and follow
1: us there. We also got a really fancy website. ObstacleCoursePodcast.com That is the one. It's where you'll find our show notes and lots of other goodies. And if you have somebody who'd be great for the podcast, please let us know. Send us a message on any of those networks and we'll bring them on. Mm-hmm. For sure. We're always
0: looking for good people. Thanks for listening. Keep pushing
1: through those obstacles.